0: With one of many lessons we can learn from the life of Saul, here's Ed Taylor. We continue to see Saul, a man of great potential, openly expressing significant character weaknesses that will go unchanged and eventually bring him down. Friends, if the Lord has revealed a spiritually significant character flaw in your life, i like you know about it, repent and ask God to make you a different woman and a different man. If it's left unchanged, it will destroy you. It will destroy you.
1: This is amazing grace. There are certainly many good examples in the Bible we can turn to, and then you have some who deeply trouble us. Maybe we're not quite sure what to make of them. If you're familiar with the story of Saul, Israel's first king, you no doubt have had to wrestle with some difficult questions. Let's face it, he's an enigma. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll set out to solve some of those puzzling questions raised by his life. Find your place in 1 Samuel chapter 10, and we'll turn things over to our pastor and teacher, Ed Taylor.
0: Verse 7, notice, and let it be that when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. It's the greatest thing you want in life, to remember that God is with you. Verse 8, you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and surely I'll come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you should do. Just in case you're wondering, how many days was he supposed to wait? Seven days. Put a mental note of that. We won't get into it today. But he, how many days was he supposed to wait again? Now, hasn't God been very precise with him? The dude carrying the goats next to the guy with the loaves. And the one with the wine, that's, and that tree, that city, those guys, oh yeah, don't, if they have all flutes, that's not for you. You know, if he's pounding a drum, no, 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 you got to have the tambourine, you got to, I mean, he was very precise. So why would God change now? He wouldn't, and he doesn't. You wait for me, Samuel says, seven days, you wait, wait, very precise, drop that into your mind for future study. Verse 9, so it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. When they came to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him, and then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, that the people said to one another, What is that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Wow. Samuel tells Saul, You will know that God is with you as these signs come to you. You could be confident in God's word coming to pass in your life. We would refer to this as prophecy. So much of the Bible is prophetic, and was prophetic when it was written. Prophecy is a very important part of Bible study because God is able alone to predict the future with incredible accuracy. You know how incredible accuracy he has? 100% correct. He is precise. God is omniscience, knows all things. And since he knows all things, he's able with 100% accuracy to say what's going to happen in advance before it happens, only to watch it come to pass. Again, jot this scripture down. You can use it as a cross-reference here. In 1 Kings chapter 8 verse 56, it says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he has promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. Now, That's true for the followers of Jesus or followers of God then, and it's especially true to followers of Jesus today. There is not a promise that God has given you that will not come to pass, period. God will not fail in his promises, and it should be comforting to you, even though some are still waiting for the promise to be fulfilled here in your chair or in your car, sitting in this sanctuary down in the overflow room. Or on the, you know, think about it. You're on the North American continent, on this planet, this solar system. Wherever you might be, you're precisely where you need to be in order to fulfill the word of God in your life. God's written word reserved just for you and me. Jesus would say it this way in Matthew 5. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will by no means pass away. You want to look for those places to spend your spare time. You need to spend it in a place where it's sure and steadfast to really know the word. I've seen recently and I've heard recently here in our community this increase of activity of the cults and new cults introducing just the weirdest bizarrest unusual interpretations of scripture to draw people after themselves and and I don't I'm not I don't encourage you to know all about every single cult that's going through and knocking on your door just know the bible just know the scriptures it's very simple Somebody opens up a scripture as I was talking on the radio today. You know that that the cult that's what, going around from Korea here in town, hitting you up it's at uh, Walmart or in the library, telling you about the mother God, and, and the passages they use are ridiculous. It, it's not what the it's not even close to what the Bible says. But you have to know the Bible in order to see and just read and go. That doesn't describe God. Doesn't describe God's mother. They just look him in the eye. Where did you get that from? Somebody had to tell you that. Because I know the scriptures, and I have it right here, and I'm reading it, and it's like, that's not what it says. Or another cult comes to your door, hey, no, Jesus is the half-brother, you know, Michael, the archangel, or whatever. They're... No, 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 the Bible says that Jesus created the angels. Jesus is Lord of the angels. He's not the half-brother of Lucifer, that's one side, or the used to be the Michael, the archangel. Not true, not so. How could you possibly know that? Because the Bible teaches that. Not an organization, not a group. You spend your time in the Word because prophetically, there's still much to be fulfilled. And I'll tell you, the biggest prophecy that I'm anticipating is the return of Jesus Christ. He promised it. He promised it. And there are so many contingent things that are going to be fulfilled at the soon return of Jesus things that he's promised eternity with him reunited with our loved ones peace no more tears how about this one a new body a new body anybody excited about a new body yeah and if you're not excited you're too young you're too young one day you will be excited i mean there's a lot that i'm interested in and so i can see what great comfort and confidence Not only that phrase, God is with me, that he'll, like Saul was promised, God's with you, but that when Samuel spoke a word, it came to pass. Beautiful. We've studied that again in depth in other places. So pick up with me back in verse 14, please. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, where did you go? So he said, to look for the donkeys. When we saw that there were nowhere to be found, we we went to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, tell me please what Samuel said to you. So Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. Saul returns home and goes right back to work on the farm as if nothing really special happened. He didn't tell his family about this special anointing, but just that Samuel told him about the donkeys and he went home. The experiences of the previous days should have taught Saul that God was with him and that God would take care of him and meet his needs if only Saul would trust and obey I believe something else he should have learned is that is he should have realized that he could trust Samuel to give him God's message, and that to disobey Samuel meant to disobey the Lord. See, one more task awaited Saul, Samuel, or excuse me, Saul here, and that was to meet Samuel at Gilgal at a time that would be specifically given to him. It would be a test to see if Saul was truly devoted to the Lord and willing to obey orders. You see, no matter what role of responsibility you have, you and I are still under authority. You don't ever get out from under authority in your life. That might be bad news to some of you, but it's the truth. Because there is that sense at times, especially in the corporate world, in the the business world where many of you work, in in the working world where you start in at the bottom, you pay your dues, right? Some entry-level place, and that's a necessity. Almost all of us have started in one way or another in an entry-level position. Maybe you're starting off right now. You're starting off your career and you're in that realm and then you pay your dues, at least that's what they tell you, and then you get promoted and you get a raise and you get more responsibility. And somewhere along the way, there is a thought, you know, if I get high enough, they can't do this to me anymore. Whatever this is. There is always a this in every workplace. And if I'm the boss, then I'm the boss. But anyone that has moved in that realm of direction and oversight at work understands that he, there's no, you're not off the hook because you're the boss. And if you and I are truly walking in the spirit, we won't view ourselves as the boss. We'll see ourselves as the chief servants. Because the, op, the, the way that Jesus operates is very, very different. That the, every place in response, every level of responsibility is something that we get to do wholeheartedly unto the Lord. And if he has us in in what would be considered an entry-level, let's be the best entry-level person possible. And he gives us more responsibility, and let's be faithful with that more responsibility. Let's not be murmurs or complainers or whiners, but rather represent Jesus in our workplace, wherever it might be. Let's give ourselves wholly over to the Lord. Because as you move forward in responsibility, or what the world may call upward, the Bible says that in the kingdom of God, you're moving downward. You're becoming a greater servant, not less of a servant. In the kingdom of God, you're not becoming a boss. To whom much is given, much is required. So there's much that God is doing. And you oversee your home, dad. That's a place of servanthood. You oversee your home, mom. That's a place of servanthood. You're in your roommates with people. That's a place of servanthood unto the Lord. Sometimes you just have to remember that. Saul needed to learn, he's going to get a lot of responsibility. But he still has a king, and there are still people that God's going to use to speak into his life. He needs to have ears to hear. He's not above counsel and correction, and neither are any one of us to receive direction from the Lord through the mouth of a friend, that they might come and encourage us and help us to grow in the grace of God. This is a test, and unfortunately, he fails. Verse 17. Then Samuel called to the people together to the Lord at Mizpah and said to the children of Israel, "'Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of the kingdoms, and from those who oppressed you. But today you've rejected God, who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans.' And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen. And Saul the son of Kish was chosen, but when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, There he is, hidden among the equipment. So they ran and brought him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is none like him among all the people. So all the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Finally, what the people ask for, they receive. It It can seem like a real joyful, happy occasion. If we're not careful to remember that it comes out of a rejection of God himself. Isn't that a twisting of the devil to make you happy for something that displeases God? That is such a trick. You know, a lot of that happens in movies and television. Something wickedly evil is happening on the screen in front of you, and they arranged it in such a way to make you laugh. Ha 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 ha. But it's just like horrible. And yet we're being conditioned to laugh at something that God detests. Oh, I know it's just portrayed, and I know it's all fake, and I recognize that. But it's also very influential. And it also has an effect on the mind. And to get us to laugh at something that God detests, for us to be comfortable with it. That's what's happening with it. Oh, we got our king. You guys, you got your king because God gave you your desire, your request, but he's going to send leanness to your soul. That's no laughing matter. You guys have just made a great error. And it's not fun to make grave errors before the Lord. Just a few pages back, if you're in Samuel, if just so you remember in chapter 8, verse 6, if you just want to see it for yourself, it says in 1 Samuel 8, verse 6 but the thing displeased Samuel. Samuel's not laughing, I don't think he's smiling that this event is greatly displeasing to the man of God. See, to the man of God, the things that are displeasing, the man of God is displeased. And so Samuel, he's displeased when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. Now remember, at this point, only Saul and Samuel know that Saul's been anointed king. And Samuel wanted the tribes of Israel to realize that Jehovah God, Yahweh, was in charge of the selection process. That he indeed is still king. So they gather the tribes together for this great announcement. And then in verse 27, or excuse me, verse 21, where is Saul? This is going to be, again, if you like to write in your Bibles, you can write it, you just circle that. Or, you know, it's, as they ask the question, let me see in Saul, uh, verse 21, they cause a tribe when they saw him, um, Okay, so you'll have to write it in next to it. Just the phrase next to verse 21, where is Saul? This is going to be a theme in his life. Where is Saul? Where's Saul? Where's the leader? Where's the one that's supposed to be spiritually strong, leading? Where's Saul? That's not a reputation you want to have. Where, where's the leadership when there's a need for leadership? We, we don't want that. He can't be found. He was hiding. Now, some see this as some kind of act of humility. I don't believe it's humility. Humility. Because humility, in its truest form, trusts God while at the same time depends on God's strength and wisdom in times of weakness. That's humility. Humility isn't running away and hiding. Humility isn't cowering. And you're going to see over and over and over again in Saul's life these weak points of his character that each test would come and reveal that in his life. I mean, it's, again, you guys have read 1 Samuel before. If you haven't, read ahead. Just Just absorb what we're dealing with here. At the beginning, we're like, man, this is great. Maybe he's a little timid. He's the king of Israel. He was told and prophesied. He had the word of God. Everything that God said came to pass, and here he is hiding. Had Saul been focusing on the glory and majesty and faithfulness and strength of God, he would have eagerly stepped up and assumed the responsibility but instead his eyes were on himself and when your eyes are on yourself there is a tendency to run away and hide not a characteristic of maturity we continue to see Saul a man of great potential openly expressing significant character weaknesses that will go unchanged and eventually bring him down friends if the lord has revealed a spiritually significant character flaw in your life i like you know about it repent and ask God to make you a different woman and a different man. Because if, it left, if it's left unchanged, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. Do you know in your cars, those newer cars, they have the little yellow light that pops on that's supposed to signify you have a tire problem? You guys know that light? Do you ever pay attention to it? Maybe yes, maybe no maybe you take a quick look at the tires and, and it doesn't seem like that's that big a deal and you just keep driving. I bet you some of you drove here today with the little light on there. Pretty soon a little man's going to jump out of the speedometer and say, your tires are flat. So in California not too long ago we had a rental car. And that light kept flashing on. I, being the uh, great mechanic that I am, I saw the light, saw that one of the tires was low on air, and Went down to the gas station around the corner from my mother-in-law's house, put air in it. Boom, light went off, no problem. I woke up the next morning, the light was on again. And one of the tires seemed to be, but I don't know, what did I do? I went around the corner, put the money in the little air machine, filled it up. The third day the light went on, I didn't pay much attention to it. I didn't go around looking at the tires. I'm figuring, man, it just must be broken And I'm a master mechanic and uh, fixed it. That night, I happened to be driving uh, from my mother in law's house in LA County down to the church that I was teaching in Orange County, California, Uh, and no problem. The light was on, we made it a little bit, whatever the speed of the freeway was, no problem. I had my, my wife, my children, and my mother in law with me, and we all went to church together. We went to dinner afterwards. Uh, we hung out, excellent, it's late, 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 major construction going on. As we're getting out of the restaurant late and saying goodbye to friends, we, the light's still on, I said hello, it said hello, it's, we went on. <laughs> and what it was saying all along is that, like I had serious tire problems. And I got a flat tire, it was flat, it was completely 100% flat on the freeway in the middle of construction, it was after midnight with my wife and my daughter and my mother-in-law. <laughs> she is a good woman, but she doesn't want to be out after midnight with a flat tire with a poor mechanic. So we had to call AAA. And it's like, hey, what's going on, but there's traffic. It's going to take hours after hours. And there I was, my, everybody out of the car, side of the road, me and Josh. We changed the tire together. What a small price to pay for ignoring the warning sign. It could have been really dangerous. That tire could have popped. It could have, it could have done everything that the warning light was trying to tell me three days earlier. You know, eventually we just had to take the car back and get another one. It's their problem. It's a rental. You know, it's your problem. Give me a car that the light, the stinking tires work. That's what I'm renting. And we lost, I lost. Not only did I have my whole family on the side of the road, while well, we just changed it before AAA came and just told them no thanks, you know. And, and then not only that, and, and have them in a place in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere. And then we had to waste the whole half, of, more than half a day the next day, returning the car and waiting in line and getting. <sighs> such an insignificant consequence to pay for a little warning light the warning lights in life are going to you're going to pay much higher price your character flaws it's not just people's opinion you really need to take it serious you can't just give it some little flippant yeah yeah i'll stop that and then find out that the light comes on again Oh, yeah, 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 it's not that big a deal. Oh, you know, that's just how I am. That's how I was raised. Or you look at someone else and you see a fly. You go, well, no, that's just them. No, 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 that's just them in the flesh. And you're the warning light. It can't just be, oh, that's just them. No, you can't. No, it can't be that. Because that light's flashing because there's a significant problem that's easily fixed. Easily. It might require some humility. It might require some effort, some sacrifice in the spiritual realm, of course. Repentance, honesty. Humility trusts in God. Humility doesn't run away. Humility solves problems that are in front of them. They don't run away and cause more. Humility recognizes the glory and honor and majesty of God, trusting him at every phase of life. Saul has big problems. If you don't believe me, read on. Saul is a disaster, a catastrophe. He is someone that had such great potential, but already we're seeing weaknesses. I mean, we see positives too. Here's a guy that will go do and look for his dad's donkeys and not bellyache about it and do it for day after day after day diligently. And at the same time, he won't magnify God as his uncle asked him about what happened. Oh, they told me about the donkeys. Dude, you were anointed king. You're and somebody asks you how you're doing. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, I don't know. Change the tire. No way. You saved a life. You're faithful. You don't hide when the day calls for you. You prayed up for then the day calls, so that you can show up as a leader
1: and lead the people into the presence of God. We've been in the book of 1 Samuel today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. To hear this message again, either call and request the CD at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or download the message from our website at CalvaryAurora.org. You can also listen to Ed's teachings through our mobile app. Search for Calvary Aurora. And while you're thinking of it, download the Grace FM Colorado app too. This is another cool and helpful app where you can access great Bible teaching. Life sure can get difficult. I don't need to remind you of that. And there are times when we get down and discouraged and maybe even feel like, can we get up out of bed in the morning? We'd like to share an encouraging book with you today written by Francois Finelon. It's simply titled, Let Go. And that really is a good summation of the book. As he encourages the readers to let go of those things that are hindering our lives and embrace God's joy and peace. When you give $25 or more to Abounding Grace, be sure to request a copy of Let Go. And we also want to remind you that Abounding Grace is listener supported, and we would very much appreciate your prayers and financial support as we come to you day by day. We're asking God to raise up a team of supporters that will stand with us and help to provide these daily studies on stations like this all across the country. Here's where to reach us 877 30 GRACE or make a secure online donation at CalvaryAurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado 80046. There's more from 1 Samuel coming your way next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace.